2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 and 16. And we want to welcome our radio listeners as we come to the message today. Welcome to radio listeners and uh, others who will hear this message in the weeks ahead. We are preparing for our revival services. And if you look at the very front of your bulletin, you get all the information. Revival, Sunday, September 30th, and October, Monday, October the 1st through Friday, October the 5th at 7 p.m. Radio listeners, we invite you to join us for our wonderful revival services here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. We're going to have a wonderful, spiritually enriching time. Amen, church family? Amen. And this coming Saturday is a great Saturday of extensive prayer and preparation for revival and praying for the many other needs of our church family and the community at large. Well, I've been sharing with you three messages now. Today's the third one on the theme of revival is a time to wake up. Revival is a time to wake up in your bulletin. You'll see a summary of last week's message, or you can hear the whole message uh, from the website, if you wish, to this coming week, if you didn't hear it. But revival is a time to wake up indeed. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, provides us with some very vital, vital truth, my friends, some wonderful truth and today's theme is revival is a time to wake up and discover how God's Word can help you. Wake up and discover how God's Word can help you. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3, and if we have it on the big screen, we can read it in unison together. All right. Otherwise, I'll just read it for us. This is the New International Version, and it says, From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. My friends, I want to invite you now to focus first of all on this very precious truth with me, and it is this. Revival is a time to wake up and let God's word lead you into salvation. Let God's word lead you into salvation. That, that's, exactly, that's exactly what verse 15 says. From infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, through faith in Christ Jesus. What was the apostle Paul saying here? What was he saying to Timothy? He was saying the holy scriptures... The Word of God was able to lead Timothy and us into salvation. That is, into a right, beautiful relationship with God through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This beautiful truth is also taught to us in other places in the Bible. 
For instance, 1 Peter 1.23 says, For you have been born again out of perishable seed. I'm sorry, for you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And Romans, Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. James 1.21 declares, Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Amen? Let me take you back to uh, verse 15 once again, which says, From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Isn't it beautiful? Think about it. Isn't it beautiful how Timothy was exposed to the Word of God from childhood days? That's what that verse says. It says, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. And that, my friends, is a beautiful example for Christian parents to emulate. And I want to commend, I want to commend the many of you who teach the Bible to your children at home, and the many of you who have been bringing your children to Sunday school at 9.30, such as we've been speaking about, to church services like this. You've been bringing your children to the Caravan Club Wednesday evening at 7.15 program and other children's ministries, the camps in the summer. Um, in Sunday school, our children are being taught the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make a child wise through salvation through faith, wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So, Sunday school teachers, Sunday school teachers, uh, I just really, really want to express sincere thanksgiving to you. You have a, a high calling. We've already mentioned this earlier in the service, but you have a high calling because the Holy Spirit can use the Bible truth you present to your students to lead them into salvation. Amen? Sunday school teachers, pray, pray for the students in your class, whether they're children, youth, or adults. Prepare carefully for your lessons. Persevere, persevere. As well, Caravan Club leaders on Wednesday evening, you have a very important task there as well. Continue on in reaching out and teaching those precious boys and girls Wednesday evenings. And teachers, could I suggest could I suggest that you, you savor and enjoy the unexpected, we might say unique moments that happen in a class? I, I read about a child, read about a child who, uh, who asked his Sunday school teacher an interesting question. The, uh, the child said, teacher, teacher, if the, if the people of Israel were called Israelites, and the people of Canaan were called Canaanites. Are the people of Paris called Parasites? <laughs> you experience some unique moments with boys and girls, and, and youth and adults as well, by the way. Teachers, enjoy unexpected experiences with your children, youth, or adult students. Parents, enjoy your unique moments when you try to teach your children. For instance, a mother was teaching her three-year-old the Lord's Prayer. 
Mom was teaching this little one the Lord's Prayer. For several evenings at bedtime, the little girl repeated the prayer after her mother. One night, one night, the little girl said she was ready to say it by herself. And the mother listened with pride as her child carefully enunciated each word right up, right up to the end of the prayer when the child prayed, lead us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us some email. <laughs> Amen. My friends, whether you are teaching someone else's children or your own, enjoy the journey, right? Enjoy the journey and just uh, treasure those experiences with your child or the children in, in class here in church with you. Let me mention that some of you might be wondering how the Holy Scriptures can make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here's an example of how <clears throat> hearing the Word of God started to gradually lead me, lead me into salvation. Back in the fall of 1969, or maybe it was in the early part of 1970, when I was in grade nine, I recall attending Sunday school at Corvette Public School. The Kennedy Road Church of the Nazarene that had invited me to Sunday school and church didn't have enough room for all the Sunday school classes, and so some of the children in youth classes met about a block away on Sunday mornings at, at the local public school. I recall how on one occasion, uh, the Sunday school teacher tried to explain to us the need to be born again. I didn't have any church background, uh, as most of you know, and uh, so this was all new to me. And as best as I can recall, the teacher was explaining to us John 3, 3, which says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. The reason why I remember this event is because although I heard the truth, I didn't really understand uh, the truth. After the lesson was over, I went up to the teacher and I said, uh, excuse me, sir, but you know, I don't see, I don't see how I can be born again. I said, I just can't see how I can crawl back into my mother and be born a second time. And I can't recall exactly what uh, the wonderful teacher said in response, but gradually, gradually over a period of time, the Word of God began to sink into me, into my heart. And I discovered that I didn't have to crawl, fortunately, I didn't have to crawl back into my mother's womb to be born again, but what I needed to do was to repent of my sins, believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for my sins, and I needed to personally invite the Lord into my heart, into my life. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. And so the question is, 
Are you born again spiritually? Are you born again? And I pray, I pray that, that hearing the Holy Scriptures, studying the Scriptures in Sunday school and in Bible studies through the week in small groups, Wednesday Bible study, men's Bible study, women's Bible study, that each one of us will come to that point of being born again spiritually and know, and know that we are a child of God through repentance and faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. Let me take you to a second beautiful truth, and it is this. Revival is a time to wake up and recognize that God's Word has authority and power. Verse 16, all right? The first part of it tells us all Scripture is God-breathed. That's why the Holy Bible has authority and power. Because all Scripture is what? God-breathed. Studying and hearing God's Word can help you because of this reality that the Scripture is God-breathed. Our Holy Bible is authoritative and powerful because it is God's creation. It's not Pastor Nick's invention. It's not the Church of the Nazarene or some other ch church's creation. It is God's holy word. Some other Bible verses tell us this same truth. For instance, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20, 21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man... But men spoke, here it is, here it is, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men spoke from God as they were carried along, how? By the Holy Spirit. And Hebrews 4, verse 12 declares, For the word of God is living and active, Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Amen? Because God's Word has authority and power, you can take seriously, you and I, we can take seriously when we read or hear in the Bible uh, a verse like Isaiah 41 verse 10 that says, God is speaking. He says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. Isn't that beautiful? That's God's word to us. He says, I will strengthen you and I will help you. You can take his promise and I can take his promise of encouragement seriously. Uh, when you hear Romans 6.23 Another example, which says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The truth there must also be taken seriously. God's word has authority and power. And so the question is, will you and I submit ourselves to the authority and the power of the word of God? Amen? You and I need to submit ourselves to the, the authority and power of God's holy 
Bible, the word of the Lord. There's a third truth I want to direct your attention to, and it is this. Revival is a time... Well, why don't you read it with me from the big screen, okay? Read it with me out loud. Revival is a time to wake up and know that God's Word is useful in your life. And we find this in verse 16. Read it with me. All the Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right. So what do we discover there? Well, we discover, those of you making uh, notes perhaps, we discover that A, that the Bible is useful for teaching. It is useful for, for teaching us important truth, important facts. For instance, in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we are taught of creation and how the world was made. In Exodus, we discover <clears throat> the Ten Commandments. Law and order in, in many societies across the world have been based, the law and order has been based on the Ten Commandments. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, we read the story of David and Goliath. Now, that is really, it's really the story of how one plus God is a majority. All right? That's really what, what the story of David and Goliath is all about. One plus God is a majority. No one would have expected uh, young David to defeat a huge giant like Goliath. And then in, elsewhere in the Bible, in Job, in Job we are encouraged to persevere through pain. Some of you know what that's about, persevering through pain. Through Jonah, we are reminded to not run from God, but instead to surrender to the will of God. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we discover what and who God is like as we read of the life of Jesus. And our hearts are stirred by the words of Jesus, words like, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God's word is useful for teaching. Sometimes, sometimes we need more teaching than we are aware of. Years ago, I learned of two men, two men who were arguing about religion. And as the discussion heated up, one man said to the other, he said, hey, I'll bet, I'll bet you five dollars you don't know the Lord's Prayer. And the other man said, all right, I'll take that bet. And he started to pray. He prayed, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And the man who offered the bet said, wow, wow. That's incredible. You win. <laughs> I, I didn't think you knew the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> and some of you are thinking, what's so funny about that? <laughs> Sometimes we need more teaching than, than we realize. <laughs> and my friends, 
Once again, one place you can receive more teaching is in Sunday school. All right, if you're not in Sunday school as yet, Sunday mornings at 9.30, join us. Arrive a little bit earlier, come at 9.30. All right, have a little bite downstairs and then go to one of the adult or the young adult Sunday school classes. Take your children, youth into their classes and praise God for the opportunity to learn. Sunday mornings from 9.30 till 10.45, then you have a little break and church service starts at 11 o'clock. All right? God's word is useful for teaching. Make the most of the opportunities available. And that includes, that includes opportunities of the small groups, attending a small group through the week. And again, we've got information in the bulletin and out on the counter, the welcome desk about the small groups as well. Praise God for the small groups. Now, this verse also goes on and tells us, verse 16, point B, those of you taking notes, that the Bible is useful, useful for rebuking. Some of you are thinking, oh, I don't like that word, rebuke. All right? But uh, verse 16 says, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, rebuking. Stick with me. What this means is the Bible is valuable for convincing you and me of the error of our ways and pointing us on the right path. Now, some of you are probably thinking, oh, you're never, you're never wrong. Some of you are thinking, well, it just means you really need to read and study the Bible more often, okay? All right? Because the truth is there are times when when we, we, we are wrong. We have to realize the error of our ways. And God's word helps to point us in the right direction. Over, over the 37 years that I've pastored our church here, there have been a few times, and fortunately it has only been a few times, when I felt, when I felt that some person or some group had, had really deliberately, deliberately mistreated, mistreated our church or mistreated me personally, and during those times, I'm just being honest here, during those times, for a brief while, I privately became very angry and disillusioned. During those times, however, Bible verses would come to my mind which would rebuke me. Bible verses like, bless, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Romans 12, 14. <laughs> you know, I, I read a verse like that and I think, dear Lord, why do you have a Bible verse like that in the Bible? I don't always want to read that. I don't always want to see that. <laughs> bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. <laughs> uh, in case you didn't know, that's right in the Bible there, folks. Okay? Here's another Bible verse, Romans 12, 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Another one, Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. Now, that's what I call the scripture rebuking me, rebuking you, rebuking us, you know, when we're getting off track. God's word is valuable for convincing us of the error of our ways and pointing us on the right path. Don't let, or don't be afraid to let scripture rebuke you, okay? You and I may not like it. 
but probably there are times, there are times that we need it. Is there an amen in the church? Oh, I'm glad to hear that. We got a bunch of honest folks. All right, good. Uh, as you go further into verse uh, 16, notice what it says. This is point C. The Bible is useful for correcting. All right? It says, it says, uh, all scriptures God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, correcting. Well, if you're like me, you're probably wondering, well, what's the difference between correcting and rebuking? I'm glad you asked. Okay. There are some similarities, but, but basically the meaning, the meaning of the Greek word translated correcting is this. The meaning is all theories, all theologies, all ethics are to be tested against the Bible. If they contradict the teaching of the Bible, they are to be refused. All right? For example, the book of Genesis teaches us that God created our world and he created us. Science says mankind evolved, evolved from a single cell over millions of years. Now, despite the fact that I, I am a science graduate from, a, from the University of Toronto, I have no hesitations. I have no hesitations in believing in creation over evolution because God says he created everything. All right? That is the correct version. In Canada and the United States and probably other countries, for many years, for many years, there has been a big debate as to whether or not abortion, abortion is right <clears throat> or wrong. Well, as far as God is concerned, there is no debate. There is no debate. The Bible is useful for giving us the correct, C-O-R-R-E-C-T, the correct view. Abortion is wrong. I, I don't have time to get into all the scriptures on abortion, but the bottom line is, thou shalt not kill. As many of you know, recently our son's wife had a miscarriage at about three and a half months. When I saw, when I saw the picture of the baby and I saw her little eyes and, and little nose and, and little ears and little arms and legs and, and, and I, I could see the little fingers, I blew up the picture on my phone so that I, I could get a real good view of this precious little one that for some reason had, had her heart stop at about three and a half months. But I looked at all those little, little body parts of hers and looked at those fingers and I thought, how, how can anyone deliberately take the life of a preborn baby through abortion? Scripture corrects us in terms of the beliefs and the views we should have about a lot of subjects. But notice also that the scripture is, point D, 
The scripture is useful for training in righteousness, says verse 16. The word of God, in other words, is able to help us to live, to live holy, godly lives. That's what training in righteousness is speaking about. It's talking about living a holy life, a godly life. In the church of the Nazarene, we need, to, we need to live. We believe in living a holy and a godly life. In the Bible elsewhere, Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says, Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Some of you have memorized that Bible verse. Let me also say, point E, the Bible is useful for giving us hope, H-O-P-E. Now, this truth is not specifically mentioned in verse 15 or 16 here, but it is so important, I, I, want, I want to slip it in, Okay? Useful for giving us hope. Romans 15, verse 4, refers, refers to this wonderful truth. And I believe we have it on the screen. Are you able to see that? Romans 15, verse 4. Read it in unison, if you can see it. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have what? Hope. Hope. So that through en endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Praise God. One of the definitions in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary for hope is, quote, a feeling that something good will happen or be true. A feeling that something good will happen or be true. The Bible gives us hope. Hope for today, hope for tomorrow. Amen? And my friends, the whole purpose, the whole purpose of teaching, rebuking, correcting, uh, training in righteousness, giving hope, is so that as verse 16 says, the latter part of verse 16 says, so that the man the woman as well, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for what? For every good work. The purpose of having the Holy Scriptures impact our lives is not only for the good of your own life or for your own soul, but it's so that you and I can be more helpful and useful to the Lord and to other people. Someone can reasonably ask, Pastor Nick, can the Holy Scriptures truly, can they really be that useful? Well, here's some more encouraging news. Isaiah 55, verse 11 says this. It says, it, the word of God, will not return to me empty, says the Lord, will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Isn't that wonderful? Read it out loud with me. Isaiah 55, 11. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. 
Can the Holy Scriptures truly be that useful? The answer is a resounding yes, 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 yes. One dark night in a forest in Sicily, a robber held up a man at gunpoint. The man was ordered, for some reason, the man was ordered to light a bonfire and, and burn his books. He lit the fire, and then he asked, he asked this thief, whoever he was, and then he asked if he might read a little from each book before he dropped it into the flames. As he began, he read, he read the 23rd Psalm from one book, The Lord is My Shepherd. And then he read the story of the Good Samaritan from another book. From another book, he read the Sermon on the Mount. And from another, he read the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, and so on. At the end of each reading, the robber, the robber said, the robber said, well, that's a good book. That's a good book. Um, we won't burn that one. Give it to me. Give it to me. In the end, not a, not a single book was burned. Stick with me. The robber left the man and went off into the darkness with the books. Years later, years later, that same man who had been the robber before turned up again. And this time, when he showed up, he was a Christian minister, and it was to the reading of the books that he attributed his incredible change. As Isaiah the prophet said, the word of the Lord will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. My friends, revival is a time to wake up and discover how God's word can help you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Thank you for your holy Bible. Thank you for your holy word. Oh God, I pray that you will again and again and again use your word to impact our lives, to help us, to lead us, to guide us, to change us, to transform us, to correct us, to rebuke us, to encourage us, to lift us up, to help us come to salvation through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.